The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit VoiceAmerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. We live in a fast-paced, hectic world where it is easy to feel overwhelmed, stressed, and out of control. How do you manage all the competing pressures without losing your sense of yourself? How do you stay focused enough to not only plot a path, but follow it? Welcome to Master Your Life, a show that offers inspiration, insight, and intelligence, as well as success stories for many walks of life that can show you how you can control your own destiny. Our knowledgeable and entertaining hosts and their guests give practical advice that you can use every day in the quest to master your life. Now, here are your hosts, Leah Mattinson and Dr. Howard Rankin. Welcome to Master Your Life, the show of insight, inspiration, and intelligence, where we ask you to consider who are you right now and who is it that you would like to be. I'm joined, as usual, by my wonderful co-host, Dr. Howard Rankin. Howard, welcome uh, to this week's episode. Just wondering, how has your week been? Well, it's been another interesting week. Uh, again, at this point in time, you know, we're still recovering from the hurricane that came through here a couple of weeks ago. And one of the things that's noticeable is that I think people are very stressed. They're very tired. They're very fatigued. Um, yeah, patience is a bit low. But one of the things that really has stood out, as as hopefully people might expect, is there's been a lot of great connection, people helping each other, in some ways really bringing out the best, best in each other. And those relationships um, of all sorts, I think, have been tested. But by and large, I think they've been shown to be very, very important in people's coping and how they deal with life. Right. Isn't that just a, an absolute wonderful testament to humanity? I think, <laughs> you know, when we can we can collectively get together in the tough times and the times that are challenging, it's really hard to be an island unto yourself and to try to figure out everything on your own. And that the, the, the value of human connection is really, you know, being able to get, you know, consoled by other people, to have reality checks from other people, you know, and to right. stay grounded. So, yeah, I think that it's absolutely just amazing what can happen when you all need to pull together yeah and, and what's interesting is we live in a world where it's it's very easy not to see the connections and the people that are behind all sorts of actions you know i mean you could be a very wealthy person and say well i can go to the store anytime i want if i feel like i want to go buy whatever i can do it yeah but you depend on you know, somebody making that, several people making that product or farming it, somebody transporting it, somebody stacking it, somebody, you know, the cashier selling it to you. There's a whole hidden army of people that are invisible. Mm-hmm. And I think one of the things about the conveniences in our world today is that they hide that fact. And it's very easy to think that you're less dependent on people than you really are. Yeah, uh, we, were, you know. 
We were just doing a, a videotaping, uh, Dwayne and I, about customer service and interconnection and how you, you know, build your tribe and have a loyal follow, following. And in the world, it really starts with hu- the human the human one-on-one interactions with people uh, that if you're if you're disconnected from the rest of humankind, you're disconnected. It doesn't matter how many things you have plugged in, you're still disconnected. <laughs> well, no, that's exactly right. That's exactly right. And and so one of the concerns, of course, about the development of technology and social media is that we have many more quotation mark relationships, but they're really not the same as a real relationship. Um, And as a result, perhaps we don't pay as enough attention to or minimize or don't appreciate the real relationships in our lives. Yeah, and I've even heard just recently, and it's probably a book title because it's such a great title, <laughs> but uh, the idea or concept of that we're dying of loneliness and we're surrounded mm. by all of this, what should be more and more and more interconnection, but we're actually dying of loneliness. And and so can you speak to that, Howard, a little bit just about maybe um, what you see in relationships? Well, I, well, just on that issue of technology and the types of relationships. Mm-hmm. You know, so much information is shared when you speak to somebody face-to-face. Mm-hmm. When you are having a real live interaction, there is so much going on there in terms of the interpretation of body language, of gesture, of the, the feeling that you'll get from that person. All of those things are conveyed, and a lot of that, it's really more than nuance. A lot of that critical part of the information simply isn't there if you're just sending disembodied type messages to one another. It just isn't. And so there is no substitute for that face-to-face interaction. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, we can have other things, but it's not the same as a relationship. It just right. isn't. Yeah, there's even a big difference. Uh, we uh, Howard and I will Skype before we actually have our radio show. And because it's important, I think, for both of us to go like, hey, what kind of mood are you in and what should we talk about? And and just to kind of generally get energy off of each other and to understand how um, like cool we are. Because actually, we can't even really see how or hear how cool we are until we see it. In, <laughs> and I, when I was uh, doing lots of executive coaching worldwide on a worldwide forum, most of my clients... Uh, I had over Skype because I needed to see them to make sure that they weren't pulling my leg about Mm -hmm. uh, completing certain tasks or doing certain things. So, um, yeah, it's like you can get away with a lot when there's no uh, eye-to-eye or face-to-face connection. (laughs) Yeah, and and the fact is, and it's interesting, way back when, when I went to – the university in England, I went to the University of Nottingham, which is in the middle of England, and um, one of the research projects going on in the psychology department was looking at the difference between face-to-face and, at the time, telephone interaction. Mm. And the research showed that if you had kind of a weak argument or if you were, you you know, um, let's put this, in an inferior position in the relationship, Mm -hmm. you would choose to have the telephone over face-to-face, okay, because you could hide, you could hide Mm -hmm. somewhat on the telephone. Yeah, and well, I totally think that's parlayed into the whole um, Facebook and texting. My kids, my kids, I love them, but I'll tell you what, when they want something and they don't think they're in a great position to get it, I get a text, not a phone call. 
there you go, or a face-to-face <laughs> request. No, I think that's right. Um, and so that is changing how people think of relationships, mm-hmm. how they conduct them, um, like so much else um, in the whole area of communication today. I think I think people are very cynical about that. We've learned, heck, I even wrote a book about it called Power Talk, The Art of Effective Communication. How do you communicate people? Well, it's really about emotions. It's not about rationality. It's about emotion manipulation. And, you know, I made the the, the comment in my book, you know, you've got to use these tools for, for the right reasons and for doing good, but the same tools could be used to save somebody to calm them. And because now you know, the psychology, if you will, of communication is widely known, and it's, yeah, emotion is there. What we find with a lot of communication, and I have to say a lot of advertising, is it's emotional manipulation. Mm -hmm. And if you're going to do that, then you can do that, again, from a lesser position of not interpersonal interaction, but, you know, distanced. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and you need to live with the consequences of if if you're going to be involved in that that spectrum of life and living it, I guess. And so, you know, we're talking about relationships today and the basis of all like good, healthy relationships is mutual trust and respect. That's the Holy grail (laughs) of those things. And so when we're thinking about the relationships that we would love to have in our life, uh, like w- when you think about somebody, I, there's people I think about that are that I am in relationship with, and that's not just intimate. That's my family or really valued colleagues, people that I just respect, or even people I haven't met yet. But I think, wow, they're just like amazing. Like, but I haven't met them in person. But but some I know enough about them to get a sense of just actually how awesome I think that they would be, and uh, it. It fuses that good feeling in me that I would want to be um, closer and more connected, and um, so and share more, I guess, and, and give more in those types of relationships. And so, when we're in relationship with people and we're looking at mutual trust and respect, what are the things that that erode that? Um, deceit. <laughs> <laughs> yes, deceit. For many different reasons, okay? Mm -hmm. Um, You know, a lot of times uh, people won't be able to tell the truth, um, not because necessarily they want to hoodwink you or is they feel uncomfortable or they don't want to hurt you or they, you know, um, they don't want to have the difficult conversation. In my experience, that's a lot of reasons why people are, let's say, economical with the truth. Uh, it's not that they're necessarily psychopathic liars. Mm-hmm. It's just they don't want to have the discomforting or they don't know how to have that uncomfortable conversation. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so, and when we go back and think about all the different kinds of relationships that we have, so you, you know, we talked about having relationships with our, um, all the people in business or when we, you know, get off of our sofa and we go buy something down at the corner store, we may have whatever kind of relationship with those people. We have relationships in business. We have relationships in our families. We have relationships. Um, where else do we have relationships, Howard? I know I'm missing some. Well, you have relationships all over. I mean, friends, family, colleagues, strangers. Strangers, Uh, yes, even strangers. uh, 
people, you know, people, acquaintances, um, you know, the relationships are the the backdrop in which our life evolves and Mm -hmm. unfolds. Mm -hmm. Um, And for a lot of people, I think a lot of people would say that is the most important part of their life. And so what do we do when those relationships are great? Like how do we behave when relationships with everyone is wonderful? <laughs> um, well, of course, a true test of a relationship, and, and as you know, Leah, in my career as a psychologist, I did quite a lot of couples counseling and a lot of premarital counseling, mm-hmm. um, which I really enjoyed and actually thought was incredibly helpful. Um because I was the guy when these two people were so much in love and couldn't really see anything bad about the other person or could never imagine them thinking differently. You know, I was the guy who would burst that particular bubble and say, okay, well, let's just take that. And how are you going to handle it? Um, Because that is something you have to address in a relationship. Uh, And so um, those are the sorts of tough conversations and the things that you need to think about when when relationships are going well, boy, they're easy, right? When mm-hmm. everything's going great. The test of a relationship is when it's not going well and do you have the courage, the ability to have that honest, authentic, respectful conversation about the issues, Right. And what yeah. I think is exciting too is that thinking about that it's not just it's not just about having the um, courage to do it. It's also a skill that you can learn. <laughs> uh, for sure. Yeah, and so for people who are listening and that may be going, "Oh my lord!" Like, I don't know how to talk to so and so, or I'm never going to resolve this problem with fill in the blank here. Uh, these uh, communication issues can be learned actually how to negotiate through them in your in your own soul and in your mind and with the words that come out of your mouth and and so that part's exciting to think okay I am actually having these really critical issues in my relationships and maybe they're at all levels maybe you're having issues with your kids with your spouse with your employer with the guy down the street uh, you know, so it's like, but there are ways of learning how to actually just change your perspective a tiny little bit, learn a little bit of skill around that, and to be able to look at those relationships in a new way. And the new way is thinking about if I was actually connected to all these people in a really meaningful way, in a good way, that I felt good about communicating with them and just even exchanging a hello for the day, how would that actually change my experience of the entire day? Yes, and as you're talking there, I, I had a thought that you know you're talking about different sorts of issues with different types of relationships. I think one thing that's actually helpful, if it's a little disconcerting, is if you're having the same sort of problem in different types of relationship, perhaps it's you, right? No, no, seriously. I mean, you know, if you think everyone from your colleague to your family members to your kids to the grocery clerk to who at the bank to whoever, um, all just don't get it and they're all out of touch and you have that same response to all of them, uh, perhaps you need to look at yourself, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, and, And so the relationships are a mirror of who we are and how we conduct ourselves Mm -hmm. and um and so yeah absolutely it's a it's the opportunity to to honestly look at yourself because um 
who do you think the most important relationship you have is, Leah? Because you mentioned to this, me this earlier. Yeah, that the one I'm most interested in is the one <laughs> is the one with myself, uh, and that. I think that when you're really congruent internally, meaning when you line up with doing the things you say you're going to do and you're living, you know, in truth with yourself, that you have a lot of peace and commune, uh, you know, community with other people. And it's easy uh, to speak the truth with candor, tact and love, because that's where all of it's coming from is kind of your position of self-love. When you when you love and respect yourself, it's super easy to love and respect other people. Well, for sure. If you're going to be defensive about yourself, that's going to come out a lot in your relationships, isn't it? I mean, if you're um, particularly defensive about one or, or several issues, that's going to come out in whenever that comes up in any relationship. Yes, so, and it'll come out in hostility, resentment, yeah. anger, poor behavior, and and. So if you're like a whirling racing mind, we talk about those symptoms a lot on the show, which I think is great because it's like how we get to understand mastering our lives is mastering that emotional control and then get being able to actually look at ourselves with some objectivity, you know, wrapped in a lot of love because that it requires a lot of love to look mm-hmm. at yourself candidly and to go, oh, you know what, maybe I'm not doing so great on that. How am I going to fix that? Yeah, absolutely. And so perhaps the most difficult conversation to have is not with other people, but with yourself, right? And that's a that's a challenge in its own right. So when we come back on the other side of Master Your Life, we'll continue to explore the importance of relationships and how you really nurture them and develop them. Follow us on Twitter for more great ideas at Voice America Empowerment. If you've been searching for fat loss and mental clarity in one place, think ketosis. Maybe you've heard about a ketogenic diet but have been totally turned off by the painstaking effort to do it. Well, agonize no longer because there is a solution. What could be just as simple and easy as taking your daily vitamins? Visit reallifetraining.expert to find out. Raise your hand and get in on the front end of the total wellness revolution. Get well, manage your mood, clear your mind. Visit reallifetraining.expert now. The Voice America Live Events page is here now to showcase your corporate, individual, or organization's live event. Visit voiceamerica.com forward slash live events to see all of our past live events and find out more. Whether it's a multi-day conference, special speaker, or single-day event, we've got everything to make your event a success. We can do a few hours or a few days. For more information about taking your event to the next level, call Jeff Spinard at 480-294-6417 or email info at voiceamerica.com. Again, that's Jeff Spinard at 480-294-6417 or send us an email to info at voiceamerica.com. We're on Facebook along with some of the greatest minds of the world, and that includes you. Visit us on Facebook at Voice America Empowerment. You are tuned in to Master Your Life. To reach Leah Mattinson, Dr. Howard Rankin, or their guest, please call in to 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. 
or send an email to Leah. That's L-E-A-H-A at changeyourlife.expert. Now, back to Master Your Life. Welcome back to Master Your Life. Uh, Before the break, we were talking about uh, nurturing and developing relationships and how that can help us in our lives. Uh, But what I'd like to explore a little bit is what happens if it's just too complicated or too difficult to do that, Howard. Yeah, and and because that depends really on the nature of the relationship. If it's somebody that you really don't have to be connected with, you know, guy down the street or or whoever, maybe somebody works in a different department, you know, it's a lot easier just simply to to forget it and, and ignore them and really just close the relationship out. Um, however, of course, some of the most difficult relationships aren't like that. They are with family members, um, maybe sometimes colleagues, but certainly family members mm-hmm. um, where it is difficult to do that. And that becomes a challenge. Where do you draw that that boundary? You know, I've certainly worked with people in the past who said about, pretty disordered people well but you know he's, he's my brother or what have you and and i always have this image of you know somebody in 1930s germany saying i know adolf can be a big problem but he's your <laughs> uncle after all <laughs> cut him a little break would you I howard know, I know. So, so, so just because somebody's a family member doesn't get them off the hook you know mm-hmm. and, and and it makes it more difficult i know you've done quite a lot of work with families and blended families. So this is very relevant to, to that, isn't it? Yes, absolutely. We, Because I've been in a blended family and, you know, it's like blending or reblending. And I, I just think so many of our clients come to our uh, real life training at looking for experienced people to help them to navigate through how do you actually build this really great relationships within this very complex system. And uh, I'm very fortunate also to have been an executive coach for a number of years. So learning some really good management models, at, you know, around building mutual trust and respect and how that looks in an organization very much can overlay this big microcosm that is a, that is a blended family. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, and so the check. Yeah, go ahead, Howard. No, no, I'm just thinking of the challenges of a of a blended family are all the um, conflicts is the wrong word, but the overlap of roles um, mm-hmm. and the, perhaps the lack of clarity in some of those roles. Yeah, and it's nothing that you can that you cannot draw it out on a piece of paper. So no, ma- no matter how wonderful a person is masterminding things if, if it's just you and you're drawing your own plan out even you're changing with every given moment so if you mm-hmm. add in one more person and then two more people in there mm-hmm. it's it becomes a i just think of the globe you know the whole holographic being able to see all of these things changing and moving and in motion and so as our kids age or as our children age our stepchildren age you know grandchildren come in there's there just becomes more and more complexity so the, oh the my simplest gosh, yeah, yeah yes. oh my gosh yeah um, yeah it's interesting there's a formula for that for working out how many pairs of what's called dyads in other words two people mm-hmm. relationships yeah. you know relationship between a and b what have you there are in any number of people and so when you have five people perhaps you have uh, uh, two parents and three kids there are 10 relationships 10 Mm -hmm. two-people relationships. If you have seven people, you know, perhaps it's grandma, granddad, what have you, then it's 21 
<laughs> 21 two people right. relationships. So, you know, the complexity just is staggering. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and right. we both come from, uh, Dwayne and I both come from families of having had six children, stepchildren. So between the two of us, there's 12. Ah! <laughs> so Diane, so that do some math on that, Howard. Holy I smokes! Plus, so, so it's fourteen. That is ninety-one. <laughs> ninety-one relationships. And then you have to add in our parents, who are both still living on both sides. Okay, that's sixteen people. So that is um, fifteen. Fifteen. It's two hundred and twenty-five. It's like we have a village. I'm going to tell him when I get home. We're so excited. But, we have this village. <laughs> but, it, but, but it's just interesting to realize the yeah. complexity that's involved when you have a few people. or And you haven't even mentioned the horses and the dogs and the cats. So, yeah. uh, you know, the complexity involved when there's so many people involved. It, it, it's incredible. It's, hardly, it's amazing that any family, especially a blended family, works at all. Yeah, and it's uh, what I just think is so wonderful. I'm smiling from cheek to cheek because I know why <laughs> I can actually manage to actually have really pretty decent relationships with people is because where I was born and raised was this town of 1,200 people. And I, I grew up on a farm, of course, and, and uh, we, so we lived out of town. But my mom worked in the hospital. Uh, and so we just learned to you know rely on our neighbors for things because this, of course, would have been uh, we would have just been getting in first landlines at that point when I was growing up on the farm. And uh, and so just having these, you know, opportunities to develop relationships with, kid, with kids while we were in school, but also all the neighbors while we were out of school. And that it was just really important that you knew how to communicate with every age and stage. So uh-huh. even as very young children being encouraged to, you know, talk to grandma, talk to grandpa, talk to Uncle Rod, talk to Auntie Gladys, sit down and play cards, um, help us bake bread. And, and all of those relationship exchanges, we could see in the other person's eyes the value and the humor and the, you know, just the appreciation of us as little human beings. And they could see it reflected back from us that we were just you know, enamored, like sometimes we were confused and there for help. Um, But we had all these wonderful relationships and they started when we were really, really young. And one of the things I um, definitely have seen in my youngest children is that they have not benefited from those close relationships, partially because of living in the city and partially because of technology. So technology, yep. And running around all over the place as well, like going to everyone's got to be in 52 activities. And then when is their actual time to sit down and Break, bake the bread and break it. You know, yeah. yeah, absolutely. And think about a different era and a different time. As you say, you're growing up when you, you know, your day is spent interacting, quite apart from physically interacting, the exercise, but interacting with all of these people as opposed to coming home from school and um, being on the computer for six hours. Right. Yeah. It's a totally different experience. It's a to- totally different input into your brain, right? It is. It is totally different. Yeah. And yeah. you're not. You're not getting. You're absolutely not getting the experience of being in relationships, of communication, of the different types that there are, and all the subtleties that go with it. It's not yeah. happening. Yeah, and the trust uh, thing. You know, just like the whole cornerstone of relationships and even with ourself is trust uh, you know self-trust 
and that I got that because of the interactions that I had with other people, that they would say, yes, you're on course, no, you're not, yes, you are, no, you're not. But it was more, it was like a gentle sort of pathway uh, and early on. And I think that, you know, when I watch, again, it's like clients or uh, the youngest of my my tribe of kids that I see that it's different for them in how much they do or don't trust themselves because they don't receive feedback from other people as often as I did. Right, right, exactly. They don't, that's exactly right. And I think it's very, very important to, I mean, if you're going to communicate, you have to have the right communication environment. Um, people are not going to talk to you if they don't feel safe. They're not going to talk to you if they feel threatened or they're going to be made a fool of. Um, people will talk to you and will have almost any sort of conversation if they feel safe. You know, and that's where your love comes in, right? You talk yes. about being coming at this from a loving perspective. And if people, and I'm here talking about kids, both in talking to them, but also them learning this, that if, you know, they know, well, I may have done something wrong or naughty or something, but, you know, I'm not going to get, you know, yell that, I'm not going to be screamed at, I'm not going to be criticized. Yes. Um, humiliated, rejected. Humiliated, and all of those things. Mm-hmm. Then they, mm-hmm. they'll hang in and have the conversation just like anyone else. Yeah. And that and it brings us back. So this whole blended family work that Dwayne and I are doing, that we really feel like there's a calling for this in our world because there's just so many families that oh are fractured. Gosh. Yeah, and coming, and, try, and coming together. First of all, it's the most noble thing in the world. I think raising uh-huh. somebody else's children or awesome. wanting to really influence them for good. And so to all of the blended families out there, first of all, I just want to, mm-hmm. you know, say I tip my hat to you for stepping into the ring because <laughs> it is a ring. And, and uh, so I'd like to think that it's not a ring of fighting. It's a ring more of like figuring out how do we hug each other is <laughs> a much yep. better analogy than we're, than we're going to get in the ring and fight things out, duke things out. Um, so what Dwayne and I really found that has worked for us in our families and, and in the, in our family now is establishing ground rules. First of all, having shared values, like, you know, that your heart is in the right spot. So when you're getting together in, and you're blending your family, just like in your premarital uh, counseling, Howard is like, is your heart in the right place? Are you, are you doing this for the right reasons? And what is the, what's the actual, um, longevity of your relationship going to be once you're past all of the romantic love. Mm-hmm. No, yeah. I think that's right. And we have to realize that uh, that romantic love and that infatuation phase of a relationship is necessarily limited, mm-hmm. right? Um, six months to a year, really, probably. Biologically limited. Um, depends how much time you actually spend with each other. But it, but it, it's limited. It's gonna it's gonna erode to some degree, and it's gonna morph into something different, something quite different, probably a lot deeper. But it's it's gonna change in that initial infatuation phase. You know, your vision and view of the other person is very very distorted, and there's a view. Is you know. So I'm and just curious. I'm curious because I I don't actually know the answer to this. Is it if you spend more time together, it takes less time for the infatuation to wear off, or the opposite? If you spend less time together, it takes less time. I would think that the more time you spend, um, that's going to speed the process up for what we might call reality. Okay, um, 
that, you know, if you're in a long distance relationship with somebody and you get to see them, you know, once every two weeks or something like that, that, that probably infatuation is probably going to be stretched out longer than if you're living in the same town and you're seeing each other every day and, you know, blah, blah, blah. So yeah, that's, I, a, so whole, that's yep. a whole other, um, that's a whole other client group of people or, or because there's so many people in Alberta that work long distance. So long distance relationships are another big hub of the people who we help through, you know, figuring out exactly that. Like, is this infatuation or is it a real thing? What are the cornerstones of your relationship? How do you, how do you know that you actually have the same values? Mm -hmm. Like, how do you know that? Right. And one of the, one of the really valuable and just so funny uh, questions and Dwayne was blown away. So when he, when he and I first met, uh, I said to him, my first question was, do you believe in, no, I said, my first question was, what's your relationship with God? <laughs> so he told me his answer. And then I said, okay, we can talk. And oh, okay. he just, yeah. Okay. But he said, uh-huh. nobody in my entire life has ever <laughs> asked me that question. And I said, well, I don't need you to have, a, it's like, for me, it's not a religious statement, but I need uh-huh. to know that you believe in God because uh-huh. if that, and this is a value statement for everyone who's listening. It's like that that is, if that is your, whatever your highest value is. So for me, that's my highest value. And I, it, again, it's not a religious statement. It's about, mm-hmm. about where things fall in the order of the universe and going. So if I believe in God, then my partner has got to believe in God because I have to believe that I want in my relationship that we would be able to pray together about things that we can't solve, that we can be grateful to a higher power, that we can, you know, have some really good fundamental discussions about that sort of stuff. So when people go, what does matching values mean? That's, that's what I'm saying as a matching value. And then, and by asking those really important questions out of the shoot, right out of the gate, before you ever meet the person, you, you, you get in alignment quickly with what it is that you believe in value. Yeah. And, and I think you're right. Certainly one of the most important, if not the most important values for people is where they stand in relationship to God, you know, either as a believer or even as an atheist. Um, Certainly I think it would be very difficult for people of very disparate views to have that, to have a relationship Um, and, and particularly have a relationship where they differ on, on something that's so important to one or other of the partners. Um, yeah, I, I think it's having a different view of the world, and I, I could see that being very problematic. Yes, and yet we do it all the time. Like we we'll uh, go and meet people for coffee, or we'll go hang out with people, and we go, "Oh, I really like that person." And then it's it, and it's not just in the dating world; it's in business as well. We'll go, "Oh, it's like I really like so and so," and and then you find out, you know, two or three meetings later that you have this complete disconnect. And so it's like when we kind of get our values straight in our head, it helps us to be able to have really meaningful conversations with people. And by speaking the truth of that kind of coming back to our own truth and that self-reflection, we create less drama in our life because we're speaking from a place of actually, I know what I value. I know what I value in relationship, whether that's business or personal. And, And if you and I don't share the same values, then I'm going to move over here. I'm going to step over here. Yeah, I think I think that's I think that's really important. 
Um, and and it's one of the things, interestingly, uh, uh, about, and I'm not endorsing this or not endorsing it, but <laughs> arranged marriages, mm, you know, yes. one of the reasons why arranged marriages, you know, are touted by people who believe in them is mm. that people are matched on values or apparently matched on values and, and, and therefore it is driven by um, those factors rather than, than the immediate emotional experience. And you, you have an emotional experience with somebody based on very, very limited information. You know, you could bump into a stranger and they can smile you a certain way and boy, you have a nice emotional reaction to them and you can make up all sorts of narratives and off you go. But you have very, right. you know, it's based on nothing really. Right? Right, um, but it is a fun way to spend a few seconds. <laughs> sure. I'm not, absolutely. And I smile at everyone I meet. So, uh, but, but, you know, the, the point is it's very easy when you interact, you can have an emotional response, and it's very easy to build on the wrong foundation, I guess is what I'm saying. Right. You know, I think therefore I'm wrong. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So when we come back after the break, we'll talk more about how to establish that right foundation under our relationships, how to maybe even repair and mend some relationships that have been bent. I like to say that instead of broken. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> Awesome. So we'll see you after the break. We're on Facebook along with some of the greatest minds of the world. And that includes you. Visit us on Facebook at Voice America Empowerment. If you've been searching for fat loss and mental clarity in one place, think ketosis. Maybe you've heard about a ketogenic diet but have been totally turned off by the painstaking effort to do it. Well, agonize no longer because there is a solution. What could be just as simple and easy as taking your daily vitamins? Visit reallifetraining.expert to find out. Raise your hand and get in on the front end of the total wellness revolution. Get well, manage your mood, clear your mind. Visit reallifetraining.expert now. Are you finding your frequency? It can be described as that space between failure and success. It's the future of digital media. It's finding your voice. It's engaging topics, content, and ideas. Jeff and Ryan discuss the digital media space and all of its aspects. It's about making the mistakes, taking the chances, summoning the intestinal fortitude to step out of your comfort zone, and discovering what you can accomplish when you decide to try, decide to learn, decide that you have something to say, and find your frequency. Fridays at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 5 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Friend us on Facebook to keep up with what's empowering the world. Voice America Empowerment. You are tuned in to Master Your Life. To reach Leah Mattinson, Dr. Howard Rankin, or their guest, Please call in to 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. Or send an email to Leah. That's L-E-A-H-A at changeyourlife.expert. Now, back to Master Your Life. Welcome back to Master Your Life. Today, we're talking about relationships. And so in this segment, we're going to talk about what are the practicalities of actually managing relationships. So, Howard, I just want to know because I know you have an excellent answer for this. How do we deal with family members that are an actual pain in the neck? 
<laughs> well, the, the view that, and because it depends how close they are. If you happen to live with them, that's a problem. But, 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 but one of the things that comes up a lot, and I suspect you've seen it, is mm-hmm. where you have divorced couple mm. and you know the kids should you know do they you know the let's say the stepdad is is being difficult or awkward uh, how should the children relate to that should they be able to see him and all this sort of stuff and you see that stuff that goes on um my view on that has always been look if it's a family member and they're a close family member and you're having real difficulties with them that that can't immediately seem to be resolved, then I think you say, okay, here's here's the position I'm going to take. I'm always open to a relationship with you mm-hmm. as long as it's relatively healthy and certainly it's not toxic or abusive or what have you. Mm-hmm. And if you're going to be toxic and abusive and unhealthy, then I can't have a relationship with you. But when you're ready to have a relationship that is, you know, okay and healthy and appropriate, then, of course, that's on. And I think you can do that with family members because, frankly, they're family and you can't. It's not easy to just eliminate them completely. You know, with strangers, you can say, look, forget it, goodbye. Thank but you. with family members, you know, I, I think there's always the gate. The door should always be open if, if they are prepared to act appropriately. And that's where it comes back to this relationship with yourself. Are you able to put that boundary down and say to that person, here are my terms for having a relationship? Yeah, I think, and I think that's brilliant. And the only thing I would add to the beginning of that with a family member is, I love you and. Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> Not but, right? Yeah, I love you and, mm-hmm. yeah, and because you're you're speaking then to from the position that I'm coming from is this and what I would love is this mm-hmm. and when you're ready then we can step into that relationship and right. you're you're telling them that you're not coming at it from a position of you know uh, hostility or resentment or because I need to have my own way <laughs> right. right yeah in particular in blended families I think a lot of that you know, we talked about great examples, you know, where the stepdad is wanting this thing and so-and-so wants the other thing. And that really being able to, like, take the personal personal stuff out and go, what from a position of actual love would be the best thing in this circumstance for whoever it is that's dealing with the family, with the kids? And that changes things a whole big bunch also, you know, when you're not taking things personally. Yeah, when you try to look at that bigger picture of what's best for for everybody, you know, um, and what is the loving thing to do. And not not making the assumption that you know what's best. Well, that's right. I think it's like if you took the position of, you know, what if I didn't actually know what was best in this situation? Who would I go to? Who would actually give me the best advice? (laughs) No, that's Sometimes we don't know the answer. (laughs) No, well, that's a really good point. And again, it goes back to, you know, I think therefore I'm wrong and the binary brain and, uh, you know, I'm uncomfortable or I'm mad with you, therefore I'm right and you're wrong and it's all black and white and it's all going to go downhill pretty quickly from that. Right. Yeah, absolutely. I love this term that I heard, um, when people are smart enough to know they're suffering, <laughs> those mm. are the people that are going to be able to transform their life. 
Mm-hmm. You know, so I love to think that that's our audience, that that I'm smart enough to know I'm suffering in one area or another, whether it's relationship or finance or career or, you know, spirituality or disconnection from self. This, but, but you're smart enough to know that you're suffering. And then it's knowing that if you actually had the internal resources to figure out the problem yourself, you probably would have. Yes, that's right. Yeah, I, I think that's exactly right. And, and uh, you know, the nice thing about willing to accept that you might be wrong, you know, again, I think that therefore I might be wrong, yeah, other people might be wrong, but I might be wrong too, is the openness and the willingness to look at other perspectives and other people's positions uh, and look at the big picture. Mm-hmm. And so I think people go, uh, in our practice anyway, they'll go, but I don't know how to do that. I don't know how to I don't know how to shift myself into this other perspective. So what I encourage people to do, and maybe you have a different solution for this, Howard, and I'd love to hear it. What we do is we encourage them to think about themselves like they're detectives. So imagine if you were Sherlock Holmes and you had this big mystery to actually resolve or solve. Sherlock took the position of that he didn't really know a lot. <laughs> it would just be like he would look at the clues and the evidence and then go, you know, what uh, you know, what am I going to do with these clues and evidence? And it might completely lead you down a path that you had no idea. Um, and that was usually the solution for him, right? It was just like this mm-hmm. thing that was not obvious at all. And so we invite people to think about themselves instead of as mom or dad or, you know, Leah or Howard. Think about yourself like I'm Sherlock Holmes. And then how would I resolve this? Yep. Um, I think that's elementary, my dear Leah. Um, Isn't it? <laughs> Uh, <laughs> You're so um, <laughs> but, but I think, yeah, and I think that's that's hard to do. And we've talked a lot about this on other shows about mm-hmm. suspending your emotion and managing it, being able to stand back, um, look to, in a way to a higher power, get outside your own ego, and be able to entertain. Okay, let me look. Really try to be honest about what's happening here, and the way I'm seeing it, you know, probably. It might have elements of truth in it, but it's probably not entirely accurate if it's accurate at all. Right. And follow the evidence. Follow the evidence as much as you can, you know? Um, one of the problems, what people tend to do, and I'm, I'd be interested in your take on this, one of the things that I've seen happen is, talking about relationships, is when people get into a conflict with a relationship, they'll want to go and talk to their friends or what have mm. you to recruit, uh, ostensibly to recruit support for their position rather yes. than get an objective view of what's happening, you know? Yes, uh, yes. Right, and then you get too many too many men in the too many people in the conversation. Right, and what are the and what are they trying to do? It's like, what's the goal or the objective of bringing the people in? So, if you're just trying to get supporters, is that actually supporting you to what you want? And that's the thing. It's like the self reflection of going, do I want to win here or do I want to heal right. this thing? Right. Yeah, and um, yeah, and I, we've talked about this before, I think. But you know, often when I was um, doing couples counseling, couples were kind of stuck in a position. I'd ask them, "What well, do you want to be right or do you want to be happy?" Mm-hmm. Right? Because, I mean, you know, you could prove that you're right and the other person's wrong or you do it the right way and they do it the wrong way indefinitely, indefinitely. I think I may have told you about, um, you know, this time when I pulled out, this couple were arguing and I pulled out this box of tissues and I said to the woman, you think these are tissues? And I said to the guy, you think this is a box? And you could argue about this, whether they're tissues or a box, for the rest of time. Right. 
right? Yep. Yes, because that's perspective. <laughs> that's perspective. You want to do that? That's fine. Um, but you know, I, I, there's no use for me then, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's what it tends to do. We get stuck in that perception. We can't shift off it. We're not prepared to do it. Now, one of the problems with that is you need the right environment to do that. Because as soon as you, if you were to move off that, if you were to say, "Look, okay, Leah, I'm prepared to say that that." Um, you know, you you might have a point, you might be partly right here, and you come back and say, well, of course I am, you idiot. You know, then, then there's the end of that concession, if you will, that I've made, or that attempt mm-hmm. to be the detective. Okay. So the communication environment's really critical. If you don't have an environment that makes you feel comfortable to saying, you know what, okay, let me explore this with you, it's never going to happen. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I think there's, I guess I have a couple takes on that, and probably just because I'm old, older now, <laughs> more mature, I'm more mature now. Uh, and I think Twice. that I would have, I would have had that limited belief at one point, in that it was somebody else's responsibility to make sure that the conversation went well. And I, and I do think that that is part of a back and forth negotiation uh-huh. uh, between people. I think there's also relationships because I watch them all the time. <clears throat> There's other relationships where the other person can say all kinds of things that don't necessarily lead to the um, the healing of things or the fixing of things, but the person on the other side is so self-confident, and, and mm. I mean that in so Absolutely. they have so much self-respect that mm. it is actually that they will that they will just go that is okay that is your point of view and that's great and now we're going to move along. <laughs> but there's it's just it's an interesting differential uh i guess yes yes and actually that does raise another issue that i saw a lot in couples mm-hmm. and i suspect you've seen this in your work too is that sometimes you get two people whether we're talking about a married couple or a work relationship where one person is clearly far better Mm-hmm. Yes. communication than the other yes. and the other person's totally intimidated and simply does not want to play right yeah yes and so then what do we do with that like well I think that what you've got to do is you got to bring those people together and point that dynamic out and say to this person I understand you are you know you're very good at communication unfortunately you know he isn't or she isn't mm-hmm. and can you see that's a problem here Mm-hmm. So how can we change that? How can you make the other person feel comfortable and not lectured at? Or I, actually, it's interesting. One time I was working, and the guy was a lawyer, and whenever he was arguing, it was like he was appealing to the jury. Yeah, and, and, and he was very good at it. I mean, right? that's yes. his job. He was yes. really good at it. But his poor wife was, oh my god, you know, uh, I'm going to get convicted every time. Yes. Uh, <laughs> So, so that's another issue is, is the, the ability, the level of communication skill yes. that dictates how well people can talk about the difficult issues. Yeah, and one of the things I think is just such a gift in, in actually being in a practice of some kind, whether that's, you know, coaching and, and, uh, or, or any kind of practice where you're, where you're interviewing or intervening in people's lives and they've invited you to do so, so you're not just doing this on the street corner, you know? Right, right. But people are saying we want some help to, to get through this or resolve these problems uh, is that people will come on their own and it's a it's a system problem or it's a family problem and you can't resolve anything within one person solo. So a really skilled, you know, uh, practice will call in the other parties or will Absolutely. and will and, and will bring them in as part of the solution. 
And so that's yeah. why it's so powerful to to not just have that one person spinning. Correct. And and that's one of the real values of, of talking to a professional. Um, and I'm sure you've had this too. You know, I've I've said something to a member of the couple and they say, Wow, you know what? You're absolutely right. And the spouse would say, I've been telling you that for twenty five years. You listen to him, you don't listen to me. Well, yeah, because that's a different relationship. Mm-hmm. And so you can do things as a as a outside independent hopefully trusted and respected person um, that sometimes couples will get stuck on. Yes. Yeah. And it's just, and, and businesses are the same. So I would, I uh-huh. would gather, I would go around and do these little, I go around and do interviews, you know, probably about three hours with each, with each person on the executive and, and kind of find out what each person's perspective is. And then I bring them in as a group and it's amazing how 25 years of, of wounds for some of these businesses they've been in business and working with each other for 25 years and they have the same wounds as they had when they were 18 year old boys and started the business together mm-hmm. and you go seriously that was like years ago I can't believe you guys are still talking about that or you still think that guy is that immature like he's got 25 more years of life and living have you matured any in that 25 years and they'll all nod and go yeah and they go so <laughs> and it's like you can see all right. these little light bulbs come on but they do need the outside observer um you know and somebody who's got credibility you know obviously well sometimes i think people can just weigh in at the right time too with a little mm-hmm. nugget and people will go oh yeah that was some good insight so yeah but it uh, it just goes back to how important our like the whole dynamic of human relationships is so important into getting us unstuck from our from our silly sometimes silly nonsense too right <laughs> No, absolutely. We're running out of time, and I just yeah. wondered if people were interested more in the work mm. that you were doing on blended families. Is there anything set up yet for them to go to or consult? Yeah, you can just come on to our website, reallifetraining.com, and uh, send us a contact note. Uh, just fill out the contact form and say you're interested in blended family work or family work, and Dwayne and I will get back to you about that and what we offer. I think the other thing, too, in terms of relationships, just I'm so excited that my book, Silver Linings, is uh, on the shelves, and hey. we're... Yeah, it's just such a great, it's just so awesome. It's been such an uh, such an amazing journey. And part of the journey has been this developing a community of people that are actually smart enough to know they're suffering and to go, I need some help and I need some connection because we're so disconnected. So this, again, it's like an opportunity for people. Uh, if you go on Amazon and buy the book, Silver Linings uh, by Leah Mattinson, then as if you send me the, like the little, there should be a little, uh, clip that says you purchase something on Amazon. If you send me that little link, and we'll figure it out on our website, but if you send me a picture of that link, I'm going to send you the free companion guide to the book. And it's just a, a really nice way of, of being able to be introspective about your journey of healing and developing really good relationships. Well, great, great. I'm glad you had the opportunity to remind viewers about that, and I'm, yeah. I'm excited for you, um, you that your your book is out. I'm sure it's going to do great, and and I'm also very excited about the work that you and Duane are doing with blended families because, um, honestly, and this is I'm not being facetious, mm-hmm. blended families are tough, and they absolutely could value any help they can get because it's 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 not an easy job. At all. Very worthwhile. Very worthwhile. Incredibly worthwhile. But 
um, you know, it's, it's, it's still difficult. So thank you for sharing that with us, Leah, and um, I look forward to getting together with you for our next show. Wonderful. <laughs> so for now, that's all from myself, Dr. Howard Rankin, and my co-host, Leah Manson. We'll see you next time on Master Your Life. Thank you for being a part of our show today. Master Your Life with Leah Mattinson and Dr. Howard Rankin can be heard every Tuesday at noon Eastern Time and 9 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Now, go enjoy your successful life. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit VoiceAmerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.